guys doing? Good morning. How many of you were the model student in school? Raise your hand, loud and proud, model students. There was a lot of rebellious people in this room. I saw the teachers. I know a few teachers in here. They're like the only ones that raised their hands, I just saw. Well, I was probably a bit of a problem child. You know, I know you probably don't think that about me if you know me. In other words, you probably know that I was a problem child. But how many of you experienced that time when you got to class and the teacher said this to you, put away everything from on top of your desk, take out your pencil, it's time to take what? A test. I don't know what you said, but I hope you said a test. (laughs) A test. If you were like me, you might have experienced a sinking feeling and you probably said these words right after that. What test? Oh, come on. Somebody else has done this out there. (laughs) How many of you know the world is going to test you? The devil is going to test you. How many of you know the Lord is going to test you? How many of you have come to the conclusion that life is one big test? We're in Genesis 22 today. The test of all tests. Abraham is going to face the biggest test he's ever been given by the Lord. The sacrifice of Isaac. So will you stand? I know you just sat down. Let's stand as we read God's word. If you can't stand up, stay seated. Genesis 22, starting at verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, Abraham replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Wow. Verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took him with, with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. Do you notice there's three people right there with Abraham? Isaac and two servants. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, three is a pretty significant number in the Bible. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will, I love what he says right here. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering. What did he do with it? He placed it on his son Isaac. And he he himself carried the fire and the knife. And the two of them went on together. Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Make sure you remember that word, lamb. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Very significant. The two of them went on together. Isaac carrying wood upon his back up the mountain. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord 
called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on your boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw what? A ram. It wasn't a lamb. It was a ram. Very significant. Caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, and this is Mount Moriah. You can go there in Israel right now. It's where the temple sits on Mount Moriah. The Lord will provide. And on this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Amen. You can sit down. See, the problem is, as believers, we often don't recognize that we will be tested in small ways and big ways. In fact, we are tested all the time. Did you know, for example, the number 10? Remember I said numbers are very significant in the Bible. Three is a very significant number. What happened after three days? Very significant in the Bible. Jesus, what? Three days, rose from the grave. Did you know that 10 is a very significant number in the Bible? In fact, for example, do you know that every time you get a paycheck, you take a test? It's called 10%. It's called a tithe. 10%. 10 in the Bible is a number of testing. You can relax. This isn't a, a sermon about money. Some of you got really scared right there. You're like, wait a second. So let me test you this morning. So you can say, what test? Because you didn't know you were going to be tested this morning. So here we go. You ready? Nod at me. I know it's early, but nod at me. How many plagues did God test Pharaoh's heart with and the children of Israel? This is an easy test, guys. I, I hope you're getting this. How many commandments are there? How many times did God test Israel when they wandered in the wilderness? That might be a little harder. It's 10. So I guess it's not too hard. Last week, Brian gave an awesome sermon about what? Abraham trying to fulfill the promise in his own power. Did you know that it says in that passage that Abraham had been in Canaan 10 years? How many times were Jacob's wages changed? How many days was Daniel tested? How many virgins were tested in Matthew 25? How many, you guys get it louder than that, all right? How many days of testing are mentioned in the book of Revelation? All right, now I want you to be really loud with this. How many disciples were there? That was a test. There was 12. You passed. Jack Weekly is good. I was just testing you. But Abraham was a man tested by God. And this is what I want you to hear this morning. He wasn't just tested a few times. He was tested all his life. Abraham was a tested man. It's important to understand how God shaped him before this event. This event, when you read it, you're like, how could Abraham fathom this? How could God ask this? But you need to understand what happened before this. You see, Abraham waited 25 years for God to fulfill his promise that he would have a son named Isaac. 25 years. Now, that may not seem very long to you, but when I'm tested... I barely make it an hour. I barely make it a week. 25 years? What was God doing in Abraham for 25 years to make this man so resolute 
when the ultimate test of sacrifice comes, what was he doing? You heard it last week. He was waiting. Abraham was waiting. The part of testing, it's a part of testing, waiting. The part of testing is waiting on the promise. And while Abraham was waiting for 25 years, the Lord was doing two things. I want you to hear this. The Lord was doing two things, refining his character and developing friendship. Let me put it this way. While we are waiting, testing, if we will allow it, develops our character and friendship. You're like, friendship? Let me put friendship differently then. Presence. The very presence of the Lord was being developed in Abraham's life through every test, every challenge, every place that he was in. See, Abraham had a promise from God. It was his purpose. It drove him. It was his destiny that God had for him. All of Abraham's life is centered around the promised seed that he will have a child. Do you know you have a purpose, a destiny for your life from God, not your own, from God? He has every day written in his book in heaven. He has a good purpose for you, a destiny for your life. Many people do not fulfill God's desire for their life because of one word, character. And testing is the main way God grows our character. Here's the deal. Many, many people, their character will not support their destiny that God has given them. The promise of God spoken over their lives. So God takes us through tests, purity, finances, our outlook in life. Some of you got stinky attitudes. I know because sometimes I got a stinky attitude. Your job, your marriage. Every person has that word of God spoken over them. If you want to use fancy biblical lingo, You have a prophetic word that God has spoken over you, a destiny, a destination. In our family gathering, we learned about a Hebrew word called debar, that God has spoken a prophetic word over your life. He sets the path for you. But there are some believers who will never fulfill God's desire, destiny, purpose, because their lives will never line up to the word of God. They will never grow in character and in friendship and in presence with the Lord. They won't take the little test and be worthy to handle true kingdom responsibilities. Because how many of you know, sometimes the little tests are actually the biggest test of all. You will be tested so that your character will match God's purpose for your life. Within part of the testing, we heard this last week with Brian, waiting on God and not jumping ahead of him to fulfill the Lord's destiny for you. The problem is, is we all stall in the test and avoid the test because we don't like the process of our character changing. The process of refining, burning away the impurities in our character. Listen to Romans 4, 20, 21. And Jack said this, in talking about Abraham, yet with respect to the promise of God, He, Abraham, did not waver in unbelief, but here's the key word, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. Do you see the word grew? Abraham grew in character. What was God doing for 25 years as he was waiting on him to fulfill his promise? He was growing in character, and his faith was strong. 
Paul Tripp says this, waiting is not just about what I get at the end of the wait, but about who I become as I wait. Okay, so character, you guys got that, right? But it's not just about character that God was developing Abraham for 25 years. It was friendship. It was friendship. See, as we wait by faith, we don't hold on to a particular outcome. We hold on to God. In the Bible, it's clear. Abraham pursued one thing. It was his heart's desire. Friendship with the Lord. Do you know? It says this in James 2.23. It calls Abraham the friend of God. In Isaiah 41, 8, it says, and this is the Lord talking about Abraham. He says, Abraham, my friend. How would you like to say that about you? Brian, my friend. Brandon, my friend. Joni, my friend. Waiting forces us to rest on a person, not an outcome. How else do you think in the, in the verses we read in Genesis 22, was Abraham able to say, we will worship and then we will come back to you. Remember that? We talked about that. It wasn't necessarily that Abraham knew the outcome. He knew a person. He was 130 years old in that passage when he said that. He walked with God. That was his friend. And as we study Genesis in the F260 plan, we see that while Abraham was waiting, God was working. And that's true for you right now. You may not feel it. As you're waiting on God and it feels dark, but God is working. God is working. God was working in him, molding Abraham's character, teaching him patience. But it wasn't just character he was building. It was presence. It was friendship. It was emotional stock in Abraham called trust. It's a powerful word. Trust. Will Abraham trust me? And Abraham would say, yes, because that's my friend. I know him. And it was in the 25-year wait that Abraham got to know God intimately. It was in the seemingly wasted years that God transformed him. Do you know that in the seemingly wasted years of your life, in the middle of your test, God is transforming you if you'll let him. He's moving in your life if you'll let him. See, Abraham's faith wasn't in the promise alone. It mattered, yes, but it was rooted in the promise, sir. Is your faith rooted in the promise, sir? Wherever you're at, whatever trial you're in, wherever the testing is right now, is it rooted in the promise, sir? Are you so concerned about the outcome? Because what God is saying is get your eyes on me right now, child, because I love you and I promise to be with you. Get your eyes on the promise, sir. Abraham was willing to risk because of that. Because his faith was not in what God would do for him, but in God himself. Are we a fickle people that it's all about what God can do for us? Or is it in God himself in the darkest of times? Abraham was willing to risk. He could do whatever God asked. He wasn't holding on to a particular outcome. He was holding on to God. And sometimes that's all you can do in the middle of your trial. And Abraham's waiting strengthened his faith. It taught him God's ways. It showed him God's faithfulness. Abraham knew that God would provide everything he needed. In short, Abraham learned to trust his friend. It's the same for us. See, it's not rooted in outcome. 
It's rooted in relationship. And I think if Abraham could stand on this stage, this is what he would say. God knows what I need. I do not. He sees the future. I cannot. His perspective is eternal. Mine is not. See, it's easy for me to stand up here because I'm not in, in the middle of your trial. I'm not in the middle of your testing. It's easy to say something that when we're walking in the light, right? But what, when, what about when dark times hit? But it's in the darkest of nights that God wants to forge a deep trust, a deep walk, a deep sense of presence, of friendship in those who are willing to walk with him in the deepest, darkest night. There's a song that I love, and it's based on a verse in the Bible. But it says, God makes a way where we see none. Do you believe that right now? That he knows best. He can see the future. He's got an eternal perspective that our eyes don't have. Abraham would have said it this way. This is my friend I've walked with for 25 years. He is trustworthy. Abraham was a friend of God. You see that's what it's all about. It's about the promiser, not the outcome. And as we let that truth sink in, we see our waiting differently. Perhaps God is making me and you wait for the same reasons he made Abraham wait, to forge our faith, to make us attentive to his voice, to deepen our relationship, to solidify our trust, to prepare you for ministry, to transform us into his likeness. Let me call friendship something different. Testing produces the presence of God in our lives. And unfortunately, unfortunately, not because of God, but because of being in a sinful world, it's usually through brokenness. I wish it wasn't. God never wanted it that way. But because of sin, it's usually through brokenness. Brokenness draws us close to his presence if you'll allow it. In the Bible, some of you will know this, but there's oil for the Holy Spirit. It's a symbol of the Holy Spirit, right? Olive oil is a picture of the Spirit of God and the very presence of God in the Bible. But the very process by which olive oil was produced is also very significant and symbolic. To produce oil, the olive is first beaten off the tree. And then you gathered them up and you crushed the olives with a huge stone wheel that moved around, basically pulverizing the olive into this paste-like mush. Then the mush was placed in a large woven bags where they're situated under pressure of what's called a Gethsemane press or Gethsemane, Garden of Gethsemane, you guys know. It's a press that squeezes it down and all the impurities come out and pure oil comes out. Think about that process. For that fragrance of pure oil to come out, it must be squeezed, it must be crushed. You see, you will be crushed so the presence of God will be released in your life, so the fragrance of pure oil can come out. But unfortunately, it only happens through brokenness, not only, but usually. Usually only when we come to an end of ourselves that God can release his presence. It's not the way it should be. You can have that now, but it's usually through brokenness. See, the oil goes through a purifying process, and the impurities surface as the pure oil is released. You will be crushed so your character will match the favor of God in your life. You will be crushed so the presence of God will be released into your life in the crushing press 
when the wheel is going around, when it's being squeezed together, it's in the place of that testing time, when it's being squeezed that you are most vulnerable. It's the most dangerous spot to be in. Too much crushing will ruin the oil, but it's at its most pliable state for pure oil to come forth. Indeed, the intensity of crushing in the time of our own tests that God seems most distant when we say, where is God? Why God? But it's the time that the refiner of the oil, the oil maker, is most invested in the process, that his eyes are most in tune with what's happening. It's the most crucial step. Just because it's painful doesn't mean it's not productive. You see, often in the test or in life, we ask, why? Why is the question that will never go away? Can we just settle that? Why is the question that will never go away? You can ask why, but where why becomes dangerous is when it causes us to doubt the heart of our God. And the test is all about trust. But usually we get stuck in why. Why did Satan do this? Why did this happen? God, why did you allow this? Why did that person do that? Why did they do that to me? Why is the question that will never go away? But here's what you need to know. And this isn't always comforting in the middle of your test. But the will of God will never take you where the grace of God will not sustain you. He is faithful to sustain you. The oil maker's eyes are on you. Listen, refining is not meant to take you out. That's what the devil wants. But to purify your faith and to release his presence so you will see him as his, he is. See, tests aren't always directly from God, but he uses them. But he works through them all. Sometimes they're a result of living in a fallen world or the devil or other people. But God is still using what people or the devil meant for evil and he's turning it to good in your life. The devil wants you to fear, render you useless by doubting the love and goodness of God. But God wants to make himself indispensable to us. I love this quote by John Piper. He says, the most loving thing that God can do to, for us is to make himself indispensable to us. You see, in the middle of the test, God is ready to be indispensable to you. And what sustains you through the process when you can't see his friendship. Abraham was a man who was tested. And now, in Genesis 22, he would face the ultimate test. It's called the test of sacrifice. This is a tested man going up the hill. He has character, emotional stock in his friend, the Lord our God. This passage is so amazing when you read it because Abraham doesn't flinch. This is a chiseled man. God has chiseled him painfully over time. And now Abraham's ultimate test comes down to sacrifice. Will Abraham surrender all? Will I give up everything to follow him? We are called to be a living sacrifice. See, sacrifice has a start, a middle, and a finish. Let me put it this way. It has a call, a process, and a resurrection. It says this in the call. Early the next morning, remember, God came to Abraham and he called him, told him what he needed to do. But listen to this. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, saddled his donkey, 
he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. This is my point in telling you this. See, we think that we're called, but when the calling is activated is when we do it. In my D group the other day, I think it was Sam. Sam brought this up. At this point, Sam said, isn't it amazing how Abraham just did it? No question, just did it. See, often we're like, well, I have a call, or I know that God is asking me to do something, but how many of us stall or balk or don't do what God told us to do? Listen, the call is not activated till you do it. So we often stall, discontent, blame others for our lack of obedience. But when we begin to walk, that's when the calling has truly begun. The test is going, which leads us to the next part, the process. Sacrifice is a process. It's not just at the top of the hill. It was the slow journey up the mountain. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and he placed it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife and the two of them went together. Have you ever thought about, this isn't just testing Abraham, this is testing Isaac. Can you imagine that journey up the mountain? When I was reading it in the F260 plan, I'm like, that must have been the longest journey up any mountain for Abraham and Isaac. That long journey in the middle of your test right now. Do you know that Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow him? And I love in the passage, Isaac asks, where's the lamb? And Abraham says, the lamb will be provided. Two times a lamb is mentioned. Do you think, and you may not have known this, do you think Isaac, who was 30 years old at the time of this, see, we got it wrong. We think this is a kid. This was a 30-year-old man Isaac was 30 years old. Do you think he thinks something's up? You bet he does. You bet he does. But he carried the wood on his shoulder up the mountain. We are called to carry our cross and be living sacrifices. See, it's in the process. We develop an unshakable trust in our God. If you want progress in your life, embrace the process. Embrace the process. The greatest hindrance in our relationship with the Lord is asking him to meet us on our terms. See, the test of sacrifice meets God on his terms. That's the only way it works. And listen, that may mean embracing pain. But each step of obedience up the mountain leads to greater opportunity. We say and celebrate recovery on Friday nights one day at a time. And listen, don't get fooled by the things you don't, want to knew, you don't want to do. Those are God moments. Those are tests. Part of the process. See, obedience develops your heart, but it also reveals what's in your heart. If you're not willing to be obedient, that says more about you than it does God. And this is my favorite one. This is the best one of all. Resurrection. Resurrection. It's the best part of the test. With the sacrifice always comes resurrection. And it's not explicitly stated in Genesis 22 about resurrection. But listen to what it says in Hebrews. Remember, this isn't some commentary. This is Holy Spirit inspired. The Holy Spirit is giving us understanding of what Abraham was thinking. Read that scripture up there, not out loud, but with me. 
By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who, who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned, and that was by faith that he reasoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. So in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Do you realize Before the word was ever introduced in the Bible, Abraham believed in resurrection. See, it's in the test that we hold on to the hope of resurrection. If there was a third day for Jesus, there will be a third day for you. I want to tell you, if you're going through a test right now, there is hope. There's a resurrection in the midst of your trial. The problem is, is we want to enjoy resurrection without sacrifice. We want the abundant life Jesus offers without truly following him. Jesus didn't promise a pain-free life, but he did promise to be with you, and he did promise that a day is coming of resurrection. And for many of us, in your circumstance, that will happen now. Are you broken? He promises to raise you out of your circumstance. Our Lord rose from the dead, therefore you will rise up out of your test. But listen, it's very important you hear this. You can't enjoy resurrection without sacrifice. In the test, there is always sacrifice. It's us. We're called to be living sacrifices, to crawl up on the altar, to pick up our cross daily and follow Jesus. We are called to surrender all everything, not some. What does God require? All of you. All of you. I want you to take a moment and imagine. Imagine each step. Each step as Isaac carried that wood up the hill. It wasn't just Abraham's faith, but Isaac. Isaac was old enough to run. Isaac would have been 30 years old. Abraham was 130. Do you think he could have escaped and overcome his father? His father was a little elderly, wasn't he? But he didn't. Isaac went willingly. There was another son who went willingly to the same place called Mount Moriah, carried wood on his back called a cross, and whom our Father in heaven willingly put on his son's back. In fact, this whole event is what God himself would do with his very own son, Jesus. God never asks you to do something he himself won't do. But in this case, the lamb would be provided. Abraham knew this. He tells Isaac, a lamb will be provided. But in Genesis, was it a lamb that was provided? No, it was a ram. Why? Because the lamb of God hadn't been provided yet. Just as Isaac was the promised son, Jesus the Messiah was the promised son from heaven to, who lived a perfect life, totally fulfilling 613 laws in the Old Testament, completely sinless, taking the penalty of our sins as a sacrifice. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When Abraham calls that place, what does he call it? Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. It means on the mount it will be seen. Do you know on Mount Moriah in Israel today, you can go to, the, to a place that is called the place of the skull, Golgotha, on Mount Moriah, where Abraham sacrificed Isaac, the place of the skull. 
And it's on Mount Moriah, the same mountain that Abraham sacrificed his son figuratively, that our Father in heaven sacrificed his only begotten son, Jesus, on our behalf. Why? Because he loves us. And he's calling you to friendship and restoring all things in this crazy world of sin. Band, you can come up. Abraham called that place Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider, or the Lord will see to it. Do you know, believer, that you have a promise? In Philippians 1.6, it says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The words that Paul chose to use, begin and completion, are a picture of the beginning of a sacrifice and the end of a sacrifice. Why is that even important? Because this is what Paul is saying right now to you. It means Jesus' sacrifice is good enough from the start and finish of your life to carry you through every test, every storm, every refining process. Jesus is good enough, and he's promised that he'll be there with you. Will you pray with me? Father, right now in this room, Holy Spirit, come in power, Lord. Come with your heavy conviction, Lord, but come with your peace, Lord. You said in this world we'll have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Father, I pray that right now in the midst of the trial and in the midst of the test, Father, where the storm seems so intense, that, Lord, we would believe that we lay down our lives, that we travel up the mountain, that we pick up our cross daily and follow you, that in the time of darkness, we'd remember that you see something we can't see. You have an eternal perspective. Our vision is limited, Lord. All we can do is trust you, that you are a good God. You are always good through all the circumstances of life, Father. And Lord, why we ask why, you're asking us just to come. Come to your throne. Come to your altar. Come to you. Lord, I'm asking that just as your word says that each day you carry us in your arms, that this morning people would know that you are carrying them in your arms. In Jesus' name, amen. As the lights come down, there's some of you that don't even know Jesus today. This whole picture in Genesis was foreshadowing what Jesus would do for us. He would die on a cross for our sins. If you don't know Jesus today, there's no time to wait. You need to give your life to Jesus today. We're going to be right back in next steps. Joni's back there. Tim's back there. We want to pray with you. I'll be back there. There will be some other people. We want to pray for you to receive Christ. New life. He died for the forgiveness of your sins so you can be reconciled to God. Will you give your life to Jesus today? Come, just slip out anytime. Stand up. Let's go ahead and stand up. Let's stand. And as we're singing, anytime you can go over there and give your life to Jesus. If you're going through a trial or a test right now, you need to go and be prayed over in next steps. We want to pray over you. There's power when the body of Christ comes together and prays for each other. You can't live life alone. You can't do life alone. Let us pray for you. Be brave. Be bold. This is the Lord our God. He says, I will provide for you. I'll take care of you. Let's worship.